praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson on this beautiful, sunny, yet chilly Friday morning here in the studio at Crossway Church. This is our Cross Time with Pastor Curtis uh, broadcast we do every Monday and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. I hope you'd make it a habit to tune in with us or find us on the Crossway Church Queen City, Texas Facebook page after the session is done live or you can go and find the session on the YouTube channel which is Curtis Hutchinson 316 there you can find everything we do here at Crossway Church we're just so thankful the Lord has given us an opportunity in our little short vapor of a life to be able to share the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to help God's people along the way on this journey edifying encouraging and uh, just uh, sharing the truth together and I'm so thankful for those opportunities that we have every Monday and Friday morning so uh, you can also listen on the Spreaker app to the audio sessions there are so many messages and teachings and and uh, preaching sessions on there it goes all the way back to 2015 uh, you can find that again on the Spreaker app and our channel is for those who have ears to hear and so you'd want to find that and you can just listen you can actually follow uh, our channel uh, again it's for those who have ears to hear or you can type my name in Curtis Hutchinson and you'll get alerted when we go live and you can just listen to the audio or you can go find the archive there and just be uh, greatly blessed at learning the truth of the gospel in the scriptures and uh, uh, before we get started this morning on our second part of From the Cross to the Throne, I want to share with you uh, a book, a title. It's called The Enthroned Christian. It's by F.J. Hugel. And uh, if you'll watch the YouTube channel uh, later, if you'll watch this on the YouTube uh, channel later, I'm going to put up there the uh, address website and phone number to where you can purchase this little booklet and the other little writings that F.J. Hugel has put out uh, you know and this will be especially precious to those who for years now have learned the theological the theology side in the Word of God of the message of the cross and it is so beautifully laid out by F.J. Hugel the application really the application it is it has been such a wonderful blessing to me these writings of fj hugel uh and i and i just want to encourage you uh to to get these little booklets if you can those of you who are soldiers of the cross god has already found you wandering as a child of god and he's been able to bring you back to where you started with him face to face with the sacrifice of Christ where he always delivers us and for many many benefits uh, the main benefit is for Jesus sake and I'm thankful to be learning learning in the process of learning these beautiful truths and today on this 19th day of January 2024 we're going to begin our our second part of this series we've titled from the cross to the throne 
And uh, we, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today, so grab your Bibles and let's get gathered around God's Word and, and, and hear the Holy Spirit today. He will surely attempt to impart truth to the hearts of God's people. That's, that's what He does. He, he imparts truth into our hearts so that He can guide us into all truth. And uh, I'm so thankful. I'm just so thankful to have the Word of God and not have to uh, rely on my own thoughts, my own opinions, especially those of others. And we just, we just open our Bibles and let the Lord minister to us and guide us and teach us Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So here in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1 and try not to get too hung up in the specifics of these verses until we get down to where we're going. So let's begin to read here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And the Bible says, And you has he, God, quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you, you and I, walked according to the course of this age, this world, the way this worldly system functions, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had, past tense, our conversation, our way of living, our way of death, rather, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us. He's brought us to life together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Hallelujah. What a beautiful, what a beautiful word that is. By grace are you saved. That means what the eternal spirit, the spirit of God did in and through Christ at Calvary, the grace that he tasted death by is the grace that we've been saved by. Amen. And has raised us up to, has, past tense, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and read a couple more verses. It's just too good to quit, isn't it? That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Talking about the cross. Through Christ and what he did at Calvary. That's the avenue of grace or it's not the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Eternal life is the gift of God that came by grace, which is the gift of God, that came by the faith of Christ, which is the gift of God. Hallelujah. It's such a beautiful thing. Christ by himself purged us from our sins. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Hebrews 1 and 3. Christ by himself purged us 
from our sins. By the grace he tasted death by, through the faith he always pleased the Father by. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So what we're talking about in our series and hoping the Lord will impart more truth to us is the reality of what God sees and what God has done through Christ and his sacrificial work at Calvary. Jesus died on the cross to give man that promise of hope of eternal life, that promise of being able to be delivered from being dead in sins and trespasses, separated from God. Every human being who's ever been born into this world by a man and a woman being reproduced after their kind has been born dead. Born dead in sins and trespasses, separated from God, no way to God on our own behalf, in and of our own selves. We could not build a tower high enough. We could not be good enough. A dead man cannot be good. He's dead. A dead man is dead. He's dead and buried. We all were. We were born into this world that way. Dead, separated from God. Dead means separation. We were born separated from God. And God had to give his own son on Calvary's cross to be able to forgive us and to deliver us and to make us new creations in his son. Amen. So, uh, but, and I want us to see this. Before the foundation of the world, uh, God saw it all. And God knows it all. Even before the foundation of the world, God in his uh, architectural design, if you will, had already crucified his son, the Lamb. It tells us that in Revelations 13, 8, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. Ephesians 1 and 4 tells us that in God's layout, what God saw, which he sees everything at all times, he would have to give his son, his son would have to die, and that all who are born again, who are going to be a part of God's eternal new creation, would have to be crucified with him. And that happens through their faith, their surrendered heart to the truth of the gospel, which is the good news of what we're talking about, what God would do in his son on the cross. Lay his life down, lay his life down under his own will. Jesus said, no man can take my life from me, but I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again because I have this commandment. Jesus had to choose not my will, but thy will, O Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he did that for you? Aren't you glad he endured all temptation? Aren't you glad that he went to the cross, that he didn't come down from the cross, that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him? Hallelujah. That's good news. And we all now, because Christ died for us, we have this place that we can surrender our hearts to and be born again. That's the place God manifests his love toward us in the giving of his son. And the door who is Christ opened up to God. And we need to understand that just as 
Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1 and 4 tells us that God chose us, believers, in Christ before the foundation of the world. And it's, you, you need to learn, I need to learn to see things scripturally the way God sees them. It's a done deal to him. But that doesn't mean he doesn't get involved. God didn't just see it and throw it out there and unfold it. And, and what, He's not only watching it unfold. If it weren't for his involvement, it couldn't unfold. It takes God to carry out God's will. God only honors what God does what God is involved in. God is the one who hastens to perform his word. We don't perform his word. We simply humble our hearts before the truth of the gospel and we trust in that what God did in Christ Jesus at Calvary is enough to save us and to keep us and to empower us and to bring about the will of God through us on this journey. So <laughs> but I must say, and, and, and we're learning how that we have been crucified with Christ and buried and raised to newness of life to be able to walk with him on this journey. But my friends, it's already beyond the walk too in the plan of God. We've already, the Bible here says, we've been made... Here it tells us this, to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about something that's not scriptural. You are just as seated on the throne with Christ and it took place the moment you were born again as you were crucified with Christ. I want to say that again. You know, a lot of times we don't have a problem understanding that we were crucified with Christ, but we have a problem understanding and seeing by faith that we've also been seated in heavenly places with Christ. It is a done deal, my friend. We are here, and we are living in this world, not of this world as Christians, but we're in this world and we belong to God now. We've been taken out of darkness and translated into the marvelous light of the, the kingdom of God's dear son. And it's all because he was crucified for us and we were crucified because we've trusted in him, crucified with him, the Bible teaches in Romans 6, 6 and 7 in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 we've been crucified with him buried with him raised to newness of life with him and we've also been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus this is why we're told by the Holy Spirit through the writing of the Apostle Paul that we are to set our affection on things above. Let me say to you, my Christian brother and sister, you have nothing spiritually that you need that you're going to find in this world. It all has to come from above. It all has to come, let me say, it is all above. That's why we're told not to set our affection on things on this earth, but rather on things above. Why? What's above? My friend, you are seated above in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, and you have been given all spiritual blessings 
in Christ Jesus. And we're told that we're to go to the throne in our time of need, the throne of grace in Hebrews 4 and 16. We're to come boldly to the throne, that the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Let me ask you, how often do you experience need? Do we say that, well, I, I don't need to go to the throne always. I'm, I do pretty good sometimes, most of the time, but then I find myself. No. Listen, my friend, there is never a time. Would you, would you say that, you know, sometimes I'm doing good and I don't need to go to the throne and get grace and mercy? No, we would never say that. But we find ourselves at times being tempted as we discussed in the first session, and, and we can go back over there right now. Uh, let me see. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. It, let's go look at that again today, if I have it here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 16. If you'll remember what we did in the last session, we backed up a few verses. I won't do that today. I'll just overview it for you. But what we've been told here is that we've got a faithful high priest that was tempted in all points like we are, yet he didn't sin. He never gave in to the temptation of sin to sin. He overcame in all things. He never sinned. And because of that and his laying his life down and raising it up again for us, now we have, uh, we have a, a faithful high priest that we can go to. And, and the Bible tells us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our time of need, my friend, are those times where we realize we're not living by grace through faith. We're not experiencing the mercies of God that are so tender and new every day. That's all of us. I want to say that one more time. That's all of us. It, 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 listen, it's about this, these scriptures are about us finding ourselves tempted, tempted to sin, tempted to move away from the focus of what our God is always attempting to deliver us unto, those who are his children. He, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, he always delivers us who are alive unto death for Jesus' sake so that we can experience what he died for us to have, which is grace and mercy at all times and we're seated there we've been made to be seated there you and i can learn to just dwell by faith where we've been seated from where we've been seated. we will be here until this body we're living in lays down and we receive uh, the new glorified body one day when we're with Christ. But my friends, right now we're in an old outward man that's perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day because we can go to the throne and find our God establishing our hearts with grace. Hallelujah. I believe that's uh, uh, Hebrews 13 and 9, that our God establishes our hearts with grace. And l l let's go look at that maybe. Hebrews 13, I don't want to quote something and it not be right. Uh, Hebrews 13 
And is it nine? Ye be not carried about with diverse, various, and strange doctrines, for it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace. With grace. The hearts be established by the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of grace. And that happens, my friends, when we are by faith trusting in what God has delivered us unto to be saved, which is the death of Jesus. And he does that now moment by moment, always for Jesus' sake, so that we can express the very fruit of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're living by. Amen. And many times we'll have to admit that we're we find ourselves not living by grace. We find ourselves being tempted and struggling with the temptation. Our flesh is lustful. I don't care how holy we think we are. Our flesh is very lustful. You are not going to escape that on this journey. You're not going to escape a flesh that is 24-7 lusting after you to do something that's not the will of God, to, to appease the flesh. And the only way the flesh can be denied is if we accept where God is delivering us unto always, which is the death of Jesus, so that we can overcome where he overcame. Hallelujah. We don't overcome by doing something. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And the word of that testimony. Hallelujah. Let me say to you today, my friend, if your testimony is not the blood of the Lamb, then your testimony is what you've done. Calling it what God has done, but it's what you've done in some vain imagination of salvation or deliverance. When our testimony is proper, it's going to be in the blood of the Lamb because that's the only place anybody is ever going to overcome anything at any time is by the blood of the Lamb. And you and I, we find ourselves in these lustful predicaments. We find ourselves lusting and being tempted after these things. And my Lord, the list is forever long of what those things could be, whether it be uh, after some person or after just greed and more money or whether it's to lie or to gossip or to cheat or to not be in the Word because my flesh says I'm too busy for that or to not be in the house of God planted in a local church because uh, of this or that and we exalt our own thoughts above the Word of God and we're being tempted. Let me say, there's never a moment that we're not being tempted because our flesh, it's never, it's never, it's never not tempting us to do our own will, what we feel like doing that is contrary to the will of God. And there's never a moment that our, God, uh, that our God, so faithful as he is, is not testing and trying us to see if we'll just accept where he's always delivering us. And that is Job chapter 7, verse 18, and 2 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13. And my friends, we need the grace of God at all times. At all times. The Bible, again, we just read it in, in Hebrews 13 and 9, that God establishes our hearts with grace. 
that, that's what he establishes our hearts with, grace. The grace that Jesus tasted death by. Grace doesn't come through any other avenue. Therefore, continue your list of why God always delivers us unto the death of Jesus. So we can always have grace and mercy, always be found overcoming the temptations through our faith in Jesus and what he did to overcome all things for us at Calvary. We're not overcoming by doing something. We're overcoming by surrendering our hearts to what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. That's it. Jesus lived by grace through faith at all times. Jesus said, I always please the Father. That's right. To do that, he had to always live by faith because God can't be pleased when there's not faith. So I'm thankful to know that today. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I got a note here I wrote just moments before uh, this session this morning, and I want to share it with you, and it's going to the throne is not just an imagination. It's not some picture that we have in our minds. It's faith in the death of Jesus. That's what gets us to the throne. Do you understand that the first time, not the first time, the moment you were born again, God, the Holy Spirit, had delivered you unto the death of Jesus. If that's not what you were delivered to and that's not what you trusted in from the heart, my friend, you're still not saved. You're still not on your way to heaven if you died today. The Holy Spirit doesn't deliver us anywhere else other than the death of Jesus. That's to save you initially. That's to keep you moment by moment to overcome all temptations, to be able to learn what it means to live or experience the throne life that you have with Christ right now for where he is, there we are by faith if our faith is in what he did at Calvary. You need to understand these things that going to the throne is not just an imagination in our minds. Well, I'm going to the throne of God today. And you'll picture something in your mind if you're speaking words, we all do. But it's not about a picture. It's about the truth of God's word and us from our hearts simply trusting in what he has told us through faith in what he's done for us in his son on Calvary's cross. Going to the throne is not just an imagination. It's not just a, a mind picture because that's all different for all of us. But what's the same for us is the truth of the matter. That we can all go to the throne with a great confidence if our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. The blood he shed for us on Calvary's cross. So let me read this. Going to the throne is not just an imagination. But it becomes substance because it's by faith. It becomes substance with fruit. But it's by faith. Doesn't the Bible tell us in Hebrews 11 that now faith is the substance of what we've, we're hoping for? <clears throat> Aren't you hoping that you can go to the throne again today? 
Aren't you hoping that you can learn to, to abide in Christ and he's seated on the throne? When you were born again, you, you, in God's eyes, when he saw you believing in his son, he saw you crucified with his son. He saw you buried with him and raised up on the third day to walk with him in newness of life, the old man gone and the new creation now living in Christ Jesus. But not only that, when he ascended, you ascended with him. This all happened in the born-again experience, in the picture, in the plan, and the view of God. And we need to learn to live the crucified life so we can experience what Hugel calls the throne life. What we, we can experience what it is. And I'm talking about by faith in Christ Jesus and his sacrifice, what it is to be seated with him. This means we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. That means seated. That means we're resting with great confidence and assurance that Jesus paid the price. We're there. In the, we're there seated in Christ Jesus. And I want to share a couple of scriptures with you today from the book of Hebrews again. And, and let's talk about these things because this is <coughs> something that's going to take place in a greater, much far greater fulfillment one day when we're no longer in this outer shell, this outer man that's perishing, but then all that will be seen is the new man and he will be reigning with Christ Jesus without any hindrance, without any temptations of the flesh or the sin nature or the world or the devil. All that will be behind us and there won't even be a need for faith. It will just be the full, complete experience of being in Christ Jesus, with Christ Jesus, hallelujah, reigning with Christ Jesus. Glory be to God, somebody ought to shout hallelujah about right now. That's coming, but let us look at, first of all, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, let us, that's speaking of us who were born again, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And again, this is the scripture we've already quoted, but we're looking at it again this morning. There, let us therefore come boldly. This means with confidence. And the confidence is, listen, what gave us our confidence is our trust in the sacrifice of Christ. Remember, we have nothing that doesn't belong to Christ. Absolutely nothing. We are joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, but only heirs of God because we're joint heirs with Christ. We have nothing that is not His. Absolutely nothing. So this confidence that we even have is the confidence that, that we've been given that, that belongs to Christ. I, I can't stress this enough. You and I have absolutely nothing that does not belong to Christ first. 
A dead man in sins and trespasses has nothing to bring to the table except a broken heart and a willing mind to trust the truth of the gospel. And then we become heirs of God and joint heirs of all things. Hallelujah. We need to remember that. We don't bring anything to the table. We come empty-handed, broken-hearted. We, let me say that again. You can't bring anything in your hands to the table. If you do, you can't walk away with what God's offering you. You must empty your hands and come with open hands and an open heart to the truth of the gospel to be able to walk away and to live your journey with what God imparts, which is the truth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Boldly. That means confidently. That don't mean with our chest out like I've heard in past years. Well, now you can just come head up high, chest it. No, my friend, there, there, there ain't no fear of the Lord in all of that. Uh, you know, hey, God, what's up, God? And all that stuff of today's mindset, that's all flesh. Or there's no reverence of God, all in the name of being friends with God. Those are people who don't understand what it means to be a friend to God. And, and, and I've heard all that stuff. I'm not making it up. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is a strong confidence. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. And the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that delivers us from death. This is, this, is, this is Proverbs 14, 26, and 27, if you've not seen the beauty of how the fear of the Lord is tied to Jesus and what he would do at Calvary. This strong confidence is what gives the fear of the Lord in our hearts, that, which is a working of the Spirit, Isaiah said. It's one of the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit is the fear the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And when we have the fear of the Lord in our hearts, then we're going to find this strong confidence. And my friends, the strong confidence that God gives us takes us to the throne, takes us to the throne. The confidence of the flesh will cause us to find ourselves in places where we have to realize I got to get back to the throne to get the grace and mercy I need. You need to understand that. A the strong confidence that God gives us comes through the fear of the Lord, a faith in the sacrifice of Christ, and, and we learn to abide in Christ being seated with him in heavenly places. So the first verse here, let us therefore come boldly, confidently, because our faith is in the blood unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now let's look at the second verse here in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 that tells us having therefore brethren boldness there's that word again confidence to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus let's go there and look at the beauty of this today watch watch the context here as it is always for those who have spirit taught hearts uh, those God has been able to bring back to a focus of what it is that allows them to experience 
this throne life, this abiding with Christ in Christ in heavenly places. We are there in our position, but few find this place of abiding there. Few find this place of abiding there. I'm going to say it again. Few there be that find this place of abiding there because few there be that realize they have to fight the good fight of faith to maintain their faith in what it was God delivered them to initially, which was the death of his son. And he's always delivering us unto the death of his son so that we can always experience the grace and the mercy we need in our always being a needy people. Hallelujah. So let's back up over here and, and read this. Uh, let's start reading in verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 10. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. And this is pulled from the old covenant. I might have, so he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. This is speaking of the new covenant now. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, and that word, it's, it simply means confidence. What, where does our confidence come? Where the remission of sins and iniquities took place being through the blood of Jesus. Verse 19 tells us that. Watch. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, a new way. Not some old way, a new way that Jesus, by the way, said, I am that new way, hallelujah, a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Listen, if you're listening to preachers telling you, uh, reading the scripture in the old covenant and saying, God's doing a new thing and they're not preaching the cross and pointing you to the place God's always delivering you by his spirit you're going to miss out on where confidence is found and, 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 and grace and mercy is found and you're going to go through your life just feeling good while you're at church if you, if you can even do that and by, by being gathered around people who, who, who want everybody to think it's all good when it ain't all good and, and listen, you're going to be in big trouble if you don't understand that this new and living way is where God is always delivering you unto so that you can always experience what Jesus paid the price for you to have. These people that talk about we just need to get on into these. I've heard preachers say it over the last four to five years. We just need to let prayer be about prayer. Let the cross be about the cross, and we just need to let prayer be about prayer. If you're teaching and preaching on prayer, and you're not pointing to Calvary, you ain't helping nobody. All we do is drawing men unto ourselves. The cross is where we point people to Christ. Hallelujah. Anything where the cross is not involved. I Listen, I've heard ministers say that they'll be teaching on this and that and probably won't even mention the cross. They boasting in that. 
They boasting in that. I want you to hear me. They're boasting in their distraction from it. They don't see the need for it. They don't, listen, these people that don't think they need to learn to abide by faith being seated with Christ in heavenly places through their faith in the sacrifice are people who think they, they doing good most of the time. They doing good. And, and listen, what do, they, what do they mean by they're doing good? What do they mean by they're doing good? I hear uh, songs today over the last several few years. People say, when I can't fight for myself, I, I, I need you to fight for me, Lord. When can you ever fight for yourself? Any, even, even the good fight of faith takes the Holy Spirit delivering you unto death always. And it's when we refuse to quit looking at that, accepting our place in, in our union with Christ in his death that we find ourselves in big trouble. We come out of that hiding place here on our journey and try to do it ourselves and try to go after something that, that, that we know is not the will of God, but we go after it anyway, thinking we can make it right and we can make it into the will of God. And the will of God can't be found outside of a faith, your faith, your surrendered heart to Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Hallelujah. Watch this. Uh, let's go and read this again. Hebrews 10, we'll start in verse 20. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. There it is again. Remember Hebrews 4.16, because we have a faithful high priest now. We can come boldly. Here it is again. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance, a true heart, where faith brings us every moment. Faith, if it's not bringing you to Calvary, my friend, you're, you're not understanding and learning that God always delivers you to the place where your faith can work and, and, and where your heart can be true to Him only through faith in the sacrifice. So that's why your marriage ain't working. That's why your mouth keeps getting in it you in trouble. That's why these things in your heart, uh, you're hoping, oh, you're hoping they don't take you to an embarrassing place. Uh, uh, you hope you can finally find, you know, the strength somewhere, somehow. And I hear people saying it all the time. I don't know. Uh, somehow, I guess I'll make it. God's already made a way for you to make it, and it's through your faith in what Jesus provided you in his own flesh the new and living the new and living way the new way to live hallelujah because before we were born again we weren't living we were walking dead men and women but now what and it says if we'll come through this new and living way it says by new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, what he did on the cross in his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. We're being told here by the Lord to draw near to this new and living way, which confirms what we've already uh, learned and are still learning, really just now beginning to move into the great truth of a 
perpetual abiding with Christ in, in Christ in heavenly places, being able to be seated with him where we truly are in our position. But what we need is the experience, more of the experience of that here, the fruit of that in our condition. That's why we're being told, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. You're not, listen, if we're not drawing near to the place our God is delivering us always, we're not going to have a full assurance. We might get around a lot of people and act like we've got a full assurance, but a full assurance is going to be there when you don't have nobody but you and the Lord there because your full assurance comes through Him and your faith in what He did to become your high priest to make the new and living way of life and victory and peace and joy. My goodness. And, and let's go ahead and read this again in verse 22 and, 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 and keep moving through this. I, I didn't plan on doing this, but I sense the moving of the Holy Spirit this morning guiding right here in these scriptures. Watch this now. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled, this is the blood, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Talking about you can't draw near to God with a true heart and have full assurance of faith unless you are accepting where he's delivering you always unto, which is the death of Jesus, my friend. As Andrew said in his message Sunday and Wednesday, the, your born-again experience is not your only confrontation with Calvary. That's not the word he used. He said it much better than I am. But listen... The cross of Christ is what God is delivering you unto. It's the only object of faith for you to have, for your, for your heart to be true with God and your assurance to be full assurance of faith. Amen. Listen, what, let's keep reading. And, and let us hold fast. Just greater and greater and greater confirmation here. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. What's the profession of our faith? Christ died for me because God loves me and he gave his son there. Christ loved me and gave himself for me. My faith is there. For his sake, my faith is there so that I can benefit from him for my sake. Hallelujah. But it's all based on what he did for me and where he seated for me. Hallelujah. Watch this. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let us consider one another to provoke, to stir up unto love and to good works. My friend... This is pointing to Calvary. If everything you're reading is not pointing you to Calvary, then you're not going to learn what it is you think you're reading. You're not going to have the Holy Spirit imparting anything. You're, you're, listen, what the Holy Spirit imparts, what He's able to impart, 
we find our feet in with, with, the, with, fa with fruit. Fruit. Not fruit that can't be seen that we say we have. Enough of that already. Faith has fruit because faith works. Anything that works has fruit. And the Bible says faith works by love. The love of God and what he did at Calvary, which is where 1 John 4, 9 and 10 tell us the love of God was manifest in what he did in Christ on Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Now I want to say something else before we run out of time today. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, if we will. I, I, and I, I mentioned this, I believe, in the first session, but I want to say something about it again today as the Lord leads me to, and that is these things that we might call throne life, experiencing here and now in our condition the fruit of being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Are, are we not experiencing now the victory that came through the cross? Yes, we are. Are we not, can we not now experience the joy that Jesus endured the cross for us to be able to have now the joy of the Lord that has become our strength? Yes, we have. So not only are we experiencing the cross and our being crucified with Christ, buried and raised on the third day with him, but we also are only experiencing these things because he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that's where all grace and mercy comes from, but it only comes from there through the cross. Nobody can get to the throne without going by way of the cross. And that doesn't mean, my friend, that just because you were born again, that now you can just approach God on any terms. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, where the church of Laodicea, who had been born again, who had the Spirit of God, were no longer in fellowship with the one of whose spirit they possessed. Get this now. When you're born again, you receive the spirit of God's Son, the Bible tells us. But the church of Laodicea, at least to some, some of those people there, were not in fellowship with the one of whose spirit they had. That means they weren't partaking of Jesus in their being seated with him in heavenly places. They were seated there in their position in him because they were born again. But they were not experiencing what he had to offer now from the throne because their faith was no longer in the sacrifice. And listen very carefully. I don't believe for a minute that they would have said that we don't believe in the cross. It's that... All Christians say we believe in the cross, but then we find ourselves not trusting in the cross. If we would have been trusting in the cross, we wouldn't have knocked the hole in the sheetrock. If we would have been trusting in the sacrifice, we wouldn't have lied and cheated on that form we filled out. If we would have been trusting in our union with Christ in his death, the very place our God always delivers us for Jesus' sake so that we can find grace 
to overcome these temptations, we wouldn't have called her that or done that to her. We wouldn't have ended up in divorce. Oh, we believe the cross happened. You won't tell me it didn't. I believe it did. But learning to trust in the very thing that we find grace and mercy through, which is Christ Jesus and him crucified, that's a whole different story, my friend. Preachers, we believe the cross, but to open God's word and to preach the testimony of his son who told us the scriptures bear witness of him. Hallelujah. They're the testimony of the son of God. Oh, we believe in the cross and we do preach the cross, but to open the Bible and to preach Christ from Genesis who is our beginning and all the way through to Revelation, who is our ending. That's a whole different story. You see, while we're making sure our calling and election, while we're making sure our calling and election, the Bible says we won't stumble and fall. But see, the problem is we're not always making sure our calling and election because we're not always beholding the Lamb. We're not always accepting the place and the view that God is offering us, the same view He initially gave us to see, to believe and to be born again, to yield to that truth of the gospel we're not always we begin to look away we begin James said that God doesn't tempt us to sin but we're carried away by the lust of our own heart and that happens when we begin to look away from the lamb as long as we're beholding the lamb we won't grab her around the throat we won't make eyes at that good looking man while your husband's off we won't get in all this I said while we're beholding the lamb we'll be being changed into that image that God saw as the lamb slain on Calvary's cross, he saw his son with a perfect humility and a perfect obedience and trusting and depending and yielded to the righteous judgment of God. Peter wrote that to us. Peter wrote that for us. I began a couple of years ago to ask the Lord to show me what you see when you look at Calvary. Show me what you see. And really, he's been doing that all these years that he's brought us back and gathered, gathered us really around the throne to be able to have the proper view of Calvary's tree. Or he's gathered us around the cross to be able to have the proper view of the throne. You see, the two things are tied together. The cross and the throne, they're tied together. Let's back up in Ephesians chapter 1 and look down in verse 19. I hope you're taking some notes today, especially in your heart. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, according, listen, according, the power of God that's towards you is according to his mighty power, the working of his mighty power. Keep reading verse 20. 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The power was in the cross. The preaching of the cross is the, is the power of God because, listen, he, which he, the, the, the working of God's mighty power that is toward us who believe God worked it in Christ, meaning in his death, when he raised him from the dead, remember Jesus said, I got power to lay my life down and to raise it up again, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I don't know about you, but it's very special to me to come into the knowledge that within the death of Jesus was the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to know that. Before Jesus ever died, he was telling Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection. The resurrection life and power of our Savior was in him, but it wasn't towards you until he died. The seed of the woman had to be planted in death so it wouldn't abide alone, so that it could be planted in death and then the power of God worked in and through that death and the power of God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his own right hand, my friend. This is... This is this is so beautiful. And I ministered this uh, a couple of years ago on Resurrection Sunday and probably mentioned it last year as I think it would be very hard not to after you come into the knowledge of this. But the, the resurrection life of Jesus was in the death of Jesus. And the power of the death of Jesus is in the resurrection, for it is what empowers the resurrected life of Christ. That's why the Bible doesn't say that the preaching of the resurrection is the power of God. It says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. This is so powerful. Yes, without a resurrection, the cross wouldn't have been anything. But the power of God, the work of God was being wrought in Christ in his death. you got to understand what Jesus did at the cross, he did through the eternal spirit. If you're taking notes, write it down. Hebrews 9 and 14. What he did at Calvary, he did by the power of God, the spirit of God, the eternal spirit, the spirit of grace by which he tasted death. Hebrews 2, 9 and Hebrews 10 and 29 call the Spirit of God the Spirit of grace. But this is so powerful. The resurrection life of Jesus was in his death. And the power of his death is in the resurrection. This is why God doesn't always deliver you under resurrection. He always delivers you unto the death of Jesus so that you can experience the resurrection life of Jesus. First the suffering, then the glory. God's not always delivering you unto the resurrection of Jesus. 
The Bible says he's always delivering us who are alive, that means alive in Christ, to the death of Jesus. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And what I have to say, I'm out of time, but what I have to say is do not be like the ten spies who went and searched out the land. There were 12, but 10 said, it is what you say it is. And look at the grapes thereof. I see it, but we can't have it. Do not be like those spies. God called that an evil report. And if you're sitting there listening to me today and say, well, that's a little bit too far much for me, I'm not sure I believe that. And you need to, you need, you're going, the only way you can confirm and justify not believing it is with some other scripture somewhere else. Because we've seen in the Word of God today where we were crucified with Christ. And we have been made to sit together after the resurrection in Christ in heavenly places. And that we are able to approach the throne where our Savior is seated as our high priest to, to obtain mercy and to find grace in our time of need. And my friend, that's far more often than we like to admit, admit. And the reason is because we think we can work it out too many times. But we can't. Jesus said we can't do anything without him. We can't get to the throne without him. We can't bear fruit without him. We can't do anything without him. We have nothing without him. But with him and through him, we have all things and we can do all things because he will strengthen us by his grace if we learn where our God is always delivering us unto, and we accept that, and we, kick, we quit kicking against the pricks of that, then we're going to find a treasure that we've yet been able to see as we should be seeing it. And I encourage you, listen to this again. Get into the, the notes you've taken, the word that you've heard, and allow the spirit of truth to enhance the view of the Lamb of God like never before. God bless you very richly, I pray, in the truths that he's offering his people in these last few moments before he comes for us. Can I say to you today that as much as you and I desire to be with our Savior, our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, his desire to come for us is far greater. And today could be the day he comes for us. And my prayer is that you and I will be found watching and praying with great expectation. I pray his touch be upon every area of your life and that this truth that you've heard today will help you along this journey, this race that he set before us to run with great joy. He's able to do anything that you need him to do call upon the name of the Lord today he will save you and he will keep you and he will strengthen you and make his countenance to shine brighter and brighter upon those who are believing 
If the Lord stirs your heart to be a blessing to this ministry, to give an offer, an offering to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. I hope you check out the website. Click on the Crossway Church store icon. All the books that I have in paperback form are now in ebook form on the website. Avail yourself to that. May God richly bless all that His will calls for in your life. In Jesus' name. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.